Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And uh, we're talking the Survivor 45 finale, Living the Survivor Dream. And we have a new Survivor winner in D, enemy to the pod, but friend to, well, me. And <laughs> me. I got followed back mean? this morning. <gasps> no. <clears throat> yeah, three hours ago. Oh, my God. I know. I have to ask, when you've been going rogue on the Instagram, did you unfollow the unfollowers? Did I unfollow the unfollowers? No. Yeah, like wait, what, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> this should be an Wait, like, did show. I unfollow the players that unfollowed us? Yeah. No. Are they unfollowed? Yeah. No. Then they removed us as followers. Mm, I don't. That's like well, so sophisticated. Well, I didn't unfollow them. Um, okay, whatever. It doesn't matter. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> but we need to be following D. Well, I know, but we're not. Okay, well, we are now. No, okay. I... Mm, mm. I just don't think I would do that. You might have. I don't think I did. I think but... when you log on to the Drop Your Buffs, you sort of black out for a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's not It's not pinging for me, but, I, but you know, let's not say no. Okay. Yeah, it, that is more likely than them removing us as followers. Yeah, I, I know. That I, seems I, I like, yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> no, it's like if I remembered doing it, I obviously would cop to it if I was going to do it. I just don't remember. <laughs> but now that you're, now that you mentioned it, it's sort of like when I go rogue, who knows what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, truly, truly. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel like this is our best Survivor winner in a very long time. Yes, I totally agree. I would say Two, one sentiment that I've been hearing expressed a lot online, and I agree with it, but I'm also wondering like where this came from, is the idea that like D is our most dominant winner of the new era, and even beyond that, kind of like in a long time. And that is true. But I'm wondering like when did the nomenclature of like dominant winners come into play? Is that something you're familiar with? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was sort of like a metric of winners. I knew that there was like deserved winners and undeserved, but I didn't really know about like dominance as being a metric. Oh, for sure. I've, I don't know when it sort of like started to get talked about, but I would suspect it was somewhere in the twenties after we had winners like Natalie White and, uh, and like um, Fabio where they weren't really dominant wins. They were sort of dark horse wins or mm -hmm. underdog wins. And people had big reactions to those. And then you sort of had, uh, as you came up, like with Boston Rob, of course, even though that's a totally rigged season, like that's such a dominant win uh, where he was in control the entire game and had like sheep following him around. But then uh, with regards to D, I would more so equate it with like a Kim Spradlin win. Actually, I was trying to think like, what are the dominant female wins in recent history? And I don't think there really are any. Maybe you could say Sarah Lucina in Game Changers, but even that, like she did have a little bit more of a struggle, I think, where D was in this power position essentially the entire game and managed to ride it all the way to the end and pull it off at Final Tribal. It really, for me, harkens back more so to Kim Spradlin. 
Um, yeah. I think that Denise is a dominant win in Philippines, but she was playing from the bottom for a lot of the game. Uh, so I don't think it's quite the same thing. Yeah, dominant player, but uh, not necessarily dominant throughout the game. Whereas mm-hmm. Kim, it was a very similar situation of being in this majority alliance and being able to sort of like, despite having a huge target on her back or she should have, uh, just had those social relationships like D where just nobody wanted to turn on her um, mm-hmm. or when they did it was a little too late so I would say most dominant win since Kim Spradlin I'm happy for people to challenge me on that but hey I'm gonna take it and it's fun I feel I mean <clears throat> the temperature in the room last season was there was a lot of excitement about Jam Jam mm-hmm. but I think it got like slightly usurped by the fact that like Carolyn was such a fan favorite mm-hmm. that you kind of like immediately redirected to her. And with D's win, it also feels like not only do you have a dominant win, but you have someone who you want to like to focus on and kind of explore their game and unpack it more. Whereas I feel like Austin and Jake's games are pretty like there right out in the open. Whereas D had a lot of like moves, big and small throughout the season, um, many of which we noted as they happened. I still, you know, I had a moment last night where I was like, you know, should we have like, not when I say we, I guess I, I'll say me. Should I have like woken up to the D if you want to say earlier? And like, I don't know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. I would say I would be curious. I'm not like hankering to rewatch this season, but in a few years. <laughs> if and when I get around to it, I would be curious to watch the show from the winner's perspective because I do just want to note that I've been watching this in tandem with Squid Game The Challenge, which we'll talk about later. But I bring it up to say I had the winner of Squid Game The Challenge ruined for me like a a third of the way through and it actually enhanced my watching experience so much. Um, And so I'll be curious to rewatch the Survivor season knowing Dee's the winner because I think I've mentioned this before on the pod, but I kind of sometimes like knowing the winner of a season, especially if it's a good season and it's well edited with the winner in mind. Um, I don't mind knowing that. The surprise factor is not really what I tune in for. So I'd be curious to go back and and sort of watch Dee's run. But I do feel like we had a bunch of big D moments, particularly like in the middle, because there wasn't much gameplay to be had in the first, you know, half the game. But she's not someone like, had Katora won, it would have been, or, you know, it reminds me too of Marianne's win where it's like you came out at the end and like in a, in a mm-hmm. big boom, um, which is great. But I think I prefer this sort of D run where it's like I can see the machinations of your game all throughout um, makes it very like validating, I think, as an audience. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting to see on a rewatch in these sorts of seasons where it is a dominant alliance. So this re before alliance, like... It could have been any of them, right? They played such similar games. And so the rewatch value is to watch D and say, okay, so of the four, why was it D? And uh, especially considering Austin gets to the end. And when you talk about the, you know, pre-merge and, and like throughout the game, but especially in the pre-merge and those moments where Reba does go to tribal and all those stories on Reba, they're so Austin focused and that mm-hmm. idol hunt. And it's so Austin and Drew focused. And there's, I feel like a lot of misdirect with uh, Drew comparing Austin and Drew to JT and Steven thinking that like maybe they'll get to the end and it'll play out that way Uh, but in the end it ended up being a robin amber situation of getting to the end and we talked about this on podcast d beat 
Austin. Austin wanted his Robin Amber situation, and he got it because D beat Austin, uh, not necessarily by one vote, but by one vote that made the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, just the same as Amber beat Rob by one vote in All Stars. That is true. I do think it's worth like underlining the fact that D stated that like the romance for her began on day twenty. Um, so they have been like romancing, whatever that means, for six days. So it's just funny, like, because yeah. with Rob and Amber, it really began, like, at the outset of the season. And obviously a little bit of a different circumstance. They knew who each other were going into the season, blah, blah, blah. But you're really able to, like, watch this play out. It's just funny, I guess, like, to think that, like, here we are right now, and even Jeff during the after show, like, fixating on this showman's. And it's, like, a six-day showman's. Um, but nonetheless, sweet. I liked the way it was handled. I liked Dee's positioning of it being, like, so explicit. Like, yeah, I developed feelings, and it didn't really factor into my game, and I don't really have much to say. Like, there wasn't... She kind of deflated the balloon by being like, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I do have feelings for Austin, and that has nothing to do with my game. Mm. And I don't know if you listened to On Fire with Jeff Probst. I, you know, I fell off of it, but I, I'm not, but not out of lack of interest. Okay, so Dee was on uh, the finale oh. episode, interviewed by Jeff and and Rick Devins, and uh, and more on that in a second. But Jeff asked, "What's going on with Austin? Is this a is this a real thing, or was it just for the show?" And she, I liked her answer, which was just like, "We're taking it slow, and that's all I'm going to say." Good. So they're not like leaning into, yeah, and then we're, we're going like, to do a fucking show on HGTV or something. No, they're, she was just like, yeah, he lives in Chicago. I live in Miami. We're taking it slow. Do you know what I would love? Because, you know, so often, and this happens a lot on Big Brother, which is a show that's known more for its showmances, but it's like you really see these couples after the fact, like branding mm-hmm. as couples because it sort of like bolsters both of their social medias and potentially gets them brand deals, et cetera. I just like the idea of D being like, my private life is like off limits. And like, I know you got a glimpse of it because it happened on this show, but like, I'm shutting it down. Like, whatever whatever this was and whatever it will be is not for public consumption. I'm not, to, I'm not saying that's the way D is going to play this necessarily, but I like the idea of like, I didn't come on this show to like expose my personal life. I, I came to play a game. I even feel to an extent Jeff asking the question is a little bit like, what are we doing here? Um, but I get it. Like, it did play on the show. It was spoken about, you know. But I, I really appreciate D just not shutting it down, per se, but just being like, as you said, like, this is what it is. There's no, there's not a there there in the way that, like, we're not going to do a Franny and Matt. You know what I mean? Like, this is, you, you, you saw as much as you are going to see of this Honestly, what seemed more just like two people crushing on each other. Yeah, well, what it, what it suggests to me is uh, I, I'm not as optimistic that we're not going to be like absolutely inundated with this relationship, which like I don't really mind either way. But uh, what it says to me is that that kind of an answer says that it's real, right? It's real for her and it matters and she doesn't want to like go and blab all about it maybe without like talking to Austin about her. I don't know, but. You know, it's just that she cares about it is what it says to me. So mm-hmm. uh, one more thing from the On Fire is that uh, at the end, they just thought you'd want to know this, that at the end, they said, well, thank you so much, Rick Devins. Uh, see you never. We'll be back with a new alum next season. Wow. And Jeff said that it was always the plan that they would bring in a different former castaway for each season. So that's what he said. So we'll Who's have- your vote? 
I feel like we could get, and like not to keep it, <laughs> this is like, you know how White Lotus only brings back people from David versus Goliath so far? Um, not, I'm not suggesting that they're only going to keep it uh, at Edge of Extinction, but I could see Kelly Wentworth being brought in. Hmm, Yeah. She's sense. vocal, she's active, she loves to talk about Survivor, she's built a big TikTok following on sort of like analyzing each episode each week. I could, and she's she's good, she's a good speaker, she's interesting, and she's got, you know, the, the gameplay behind her to be able to talk about it on, I think, to Jeff's liking. So that's who gets my vote. Who would you like to see? I'd like to see Ethan. Well, obviously... Yeah, that would be yeah. my, because cause my original answer, I was going to say Tina, just because I would love to see that and hear that. But but in terms of like people that are, you know, could really be a possibility, I would say Ethan. Also, Tina, who got a shout out in the after show. Did you watch sure the after did. show? Yeah. She sure did. Yeah, yeah, of course I did. Um, speaking of which, can we make a note to discuss the New York Times article in our after show. Yes. Uh, and I mentioned that because Ethan is featured in the New York Times article, yeah. which we'll get to. Um, I did want to mention at the start of the episode, because I, I do feel like, so so let's just say top level, I think we're aligned here, really satisfying, entertaining finale. Mm-hmm. A lot of things went in the best possible scenario in terms of like television making. Yeah. And I think for the first time in a long time, there were three viable finalists. I know people are now saying like Jake was a goat dragged to the end, but like I didn't feel that way. When I was watching it, I was like, I felt like he was making a very compelling argument to win the game. I felt like people on the jury, especially like Bruce and Caleb, Kendra, were really connecting with the things he was saying. So anyway, I felt like there were three viable winners. Um, And then also top five, I just also thought Julie and Katura Mm -hmm. were potential viable finalists. So this, especially in comparison to recent seasons, made for a really entertaining episode, not to mention a number of like small and large things, which we'll get to. But Jeff, to me, was the thing in this episode that was sort of like the most off kilter. Um, We've talked a lot about this sort of like Jeff losing his ground by way of like his necessity within the show, uh-huh. uh, right? Because the show, it, it's quite literally a formula of, as to how it works. So he kind of sometimes, it seems like he malfunctions in, in some instances and in just trying to figure out his role. And one instance is like at the very beginning, he's like talking directly to the camera, setting up the finale. And he says, this season there's been a real emphasis on the relationship part of the journey. And it's like, what? That's literally the show Mm -hmm. the show is built on relationships so the reason i bring that up is to say that i think jeff or the producers or whomever really see this season as being and i i think that's all just rooted in the conflict between d and austin as to whether or not Mm -hmm. to go with their heart or with their gut but even then it was like d's decision benefit didn't it didn't benefit Austin, but it didn't hurt Austin yeah. to take out Drew. So it's really not like that high stakes. She wasn't stabbing him in the back. And you also get the impression from Austin's lack of reaction that like he wasn't that shook by it. Anyway, I just thought it was a sort of odd framework around the show. And it sort of made me think, especially as we were watching the preview for 46, that one of the struggles right now with the show, I think, is really differentiating the seasons because you no longer have the themes to rely on. And so even with 46, it's like it just feels so formulaic. But Jeff here, in that effort to start to, to sort of like distill what season 45 was about, saying that it was like about relationships to me was just like, 
so like that's all that's all you have to say about it like i just felt like if we're gonna do a direct to camera set up the scene here right there's a lot going on there's a lot that can shake out mm -hmm. you know you've got these three bellows here these two outsiders you know in in theory they could steamroll but will they could someone mm -hmm. swing julie realizes that these are a tight two in austin and d could julie potentially swap over and go with katura and with jake i just felt like i don't know i'm harping on it i'm giving a lot of air but that annoyed me yeah, well, I think, and and what he's getting at is this this struggle between Austin and D, where Austin played the same move one way that D played another way, but that was only two moves uh, at the very end of the game. So really, I think this season was defined by the dominant alliance versus the underdogs who and the underdogs who actually had outnumbered the dominant alliance for some time but just yeah. couldn't get it together so that's the story of the season it's the reba reba four in the way that you know if we were to define survivor 44 it's defined by the tika three and how they you know navigated their way through a merge being uh, at uh, in a in a voting minority um so yeah it's but but i just just he knows Austin and D are getting to the end. He, he, what he's saying is, this is the season of love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say too, like, I just missed someone. I, I, I want to credit them, but I can't remember. But someone did a post of like four images from like the finales of like Jeff, you know, skydiving and on the mm -hmm. the motorcycle, what have you. And it's just like, I know different era, but like, I do just miss. I did think this finale was quite epic. And so what it was missing for me was like Jeff as like the MC of the finale, sort of like situating the epicness for us. Mm -hmm. um, that I really felt was lacking in this finale. Jeff talking direct to camera at the start of the episode just does not have the magnitude, especially with past precedent. Um, but nonetheless, I still think because of great casting, which I really think is at the root of, of season 45 is uh, a turn towards better casting. Um, I think that is what made this finale work and not the game formula itself, which I do think had moments of like, we're getting a little stale. Yeah. Well, let's uh, rewind a little bit here and talk about Julie, who is our first person to go home uh, in this episode in a very strange vote. Yeah. Can we talk about that shot of her drinking the water? Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't know the shot. Is this like another situation where uh, Jake and the flippers that I missed? Ye, sort of, but it's like, I think I counted nine seconds. It's her Whoa. drinking out of her canteen and it's like such a long frame. <laughs> Three listeners right now are snapping their fingers along with me. I was going to say I'll, I'll, I'll meme it, but it's a, it's a clip. I'll try and you know, figure this out. But yeah, anyway, just such a long shot of Julie sipping that canteen. Julie famously hard to meme, but I pulled it out this week. Yeah. With the waking yeah. up. Super odd vote. Doesn't make sense to me. I don't think it's really worth like, it, I just don't think it's a sense, like a, a situation that makes much sense at the root of it as I understand it. Am I going, am I going, am I jumping too far ahead? No, go ahead. Okay, at the root of it, my understanding is that Katura feels that she can't fully trust Jake, so she doesn't know what he's going to do, so she has to take matters into her own hands. What I don't understand, and I, okay, wait, I guess, if, and if again, tracking with Katura, she thinks Austin is gonna vote for Julie, and so she feels if she throws her vote 
on Julie that it will knock Julie out. But if Katura knows that Jake will be voting for D, but I guess in her mind, maybe she she's thinking that. she doesn't believe that. Now, so what in I'm her mind, in, yeah, throwing the vote on Julie assures Julie is leaving as opposed to the uncertainty of D. So I don't think that I don't think she thinks that it assures Julie is leaving. I think mm-hmm. what Katura was worried about was that Katura would be copying votes. And at least she knew Julie would be getting one vote. And so she thought, then like, let me give myself a chance here. And I'm going, if I know Julie's getting one vote, I'm going to send her a second vote. And maybe the votes against me, well, maybe it won't be a three, two, maybe someone will, so, so, so best case scenario, we can get it. 221 so at least it's a tie between me and Julie so I have some chance I think that's what she was thinking was just like I feel like I'm getting votes I know Julie's getting one vote so let me double that get at least two votes on Julie just on the off chance that I could save myself but she ultimately like it was a total misread of the situation mm-hmm. and I think speaks to the inability as we've seen throughout the season for the Bello Lulu contingent post merge to work together. We always saw them struggle. They could never pull off a move. They couldn't vote the same. Um, they just like could never topple that alliance. And here is that like final nail in the coffin where it's like now's the time. And it, granted, Julie's in that alliance, but you know the big target here would have been D. And Katura knew that, but she just kind of like panicked. And it it speaks to the way that all of those people played this entire game. Right, which I like because I feel yeah. like if every season had the underdog pulling through, mm-hmm. it would sort of make it a little too formulaic. And I like the idea of like dominance dominating. And I will say what makes this season fun is that like D, Austin, and Julie are all really likable characters on the show. So them steamrolling is very different yeah. than say a Richard Hack. Hatch, Susan Honk, Rudy situation, which granted, I know America did love Rudy. Or like a Tony. Yeah, where it's just like, okay, like I'm fine with any of these decisions. And like, I think it's easy to look at Katura's decision and be like, this makes no sense. But when you game it out, it's like, yes, but you're, you, the the person saying that, you have the full perspective. And so it's it's just hard to understand when you're Katura and you're on an island, not literally and figuratively, Mm. but I I mean figuratively here. there's just no one to trust. So any sort of vote is just sort of like rolling the dice. So I understand um, from that perspective. Can we rewind real quick? Because I just had one note that I didn't get to. Yeah. I just wanted to mention in the beginning of the episode when Dee had her like one-on-one with Austin and told Uh him the news. I do think, no disrespect, I do think that like Austin is a little bit of a dud of a character in that, not a human being, a character on television, um, in that you have this moment as well as the moment that we see, I think it was in the after show of him finding out that he had been selected to be on the show. And in both of these instances, it's Austin receiving like really important information and having no reaction at all. And if you're a television producer, you don't care what the reaction is, but you want a reaction. Like reaction is crucial um, to the show. Thank you, Eliza Orleans. Um, And so this was just a moment of like, Austin's like, D is so nervous to like sit down with her number one and explain why she like had to make this devious move on him. And Austin's reaction is just like, oh yeah, we're good. (laughs) And it's just like, and then it's almost like D's like shocked by that. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just felt like Austin in 
like wasn't able to make good television at any point in the season. Besides, I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say okay. Besides I would say what? the sandwich stuff. Okay. I enjoyed. I'm not saying that Austin is a flop on Survivor because I do feel like characters like him are important. Um, if anything, I'm sort of like, I want more from Austin, but I just don't think Austin did a whole lot. That said, he did a whole lot for the eyes um, uh-huh. of the viewers watching him. And I don't think he was, I don't know. It's like, I think he was sort of a dud on this season, but I also like would cast him if I had the chance to again on this season. So yeah. it's like, I kind of go back and forth. Like, did he make incredible television? No. But also, like, does every single cast member need to make incredible television? No. I do feel like he had a place within the whole of this season. But I guess I'm just pointing out that, like, in moments where you really want him to, like, rise up, he fails to. Um, well, he plays very even-keeled. He plays very, very safe, um, both, both in terms of, like, the game, but also in terms of his relationships. But, th- like, the character like him is important because he is central to so much other drama going on. So like all the Drew stuff and Emily coming in and then obviously between Julie and Dee, like we need Austin there for all that stuff to happen. So yeah, not everybody has to be a mega star. This is true. I think I just wanted more from Austin, but I'm also sort of like, okay, girl, like to me where it's like, you get what you get. Um, I guess I just like, Lee, but, but but also too, what's interesting and why I think he's the argument against him as a dud. Um, unlike Xander, who sort of, you could say played somewhat of a similar game um, in his season. I guess not really, because it's like, it wasn't in part of that. Okay, but anyway, yeah. to compare, I guess the real comparison is just two hot guys that made it to the end. Yeah. Um, the difference here is that whereas Xander had no shot whatsoever at winning, Austin actually had a viable shot, got three of those votes. And so I guess what I'm saying is I'm curious to know what compelled those three votes for Austin, like what what won them over, because we don't really hear from the jury too much as to why they make the votes they made, because it seems like D made such a compelling argument. Yeah. But clearly, like a 5-3 is not not a steal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Yeah, totally. I am curious, has Austin, I guess he'll do post-show. That to me is actually something I would be really keen to tune into. It's like, what's Austin like in a post-show interview? Yeah. Well, those will be coming out today, so. Okay, but I I meant more like when he's on Drop Your Buffs. Oh. So in a year from now. Maybe. (laughs) Or less. Once 46 starts, then CBS stops caring. Uh, but yeah, it feels to me like this final five vote coming back to the Julie vote is pretty pivotal for D winning and it's banking on this erratic gameplay from the Couture's and Jake's of the world. And this whole thing about Jake swearing on Nana and there, there's something like to contrast the way that Austin reacts to D at the beginning of the episode. It's like what I needed was or thinking back to the way Julie reacted after she was betrayed by her alliance yep. um, or after Jake swears on Nana places idol for Katora doesn't need to. It's like another failed move by Jake. And he comes back pissed off. He's like, how dare you have me swear on Nana? Fantastic. Give Fantastic. me more of that. More of that. 
I feel like, and this is not like an unpopular opinion, like Jake dominated this season um, just from a storytelling perspective, from like a fascination perspective. Like I would love to see Jake on television. Like there's few times I'm like, oh, I want more from this person and not necessarily just to play Survivor again, but like I will enjoy like being a part of Jake's post-show journey through mm-hmm. following him on social media. Um <laughs> I do want to say, though, and I texted you this last night, you did not respond, no big deal. Well, I didn't Um, get it. I love Jake, Uh but I'm seeing a lot of sentiments, especially from past players, or or, yeah, um, that Jake is baby girl. So so the reason I didn't respond is because I haven't seen that. Oh, well, Kelly tweeted it last night, so that's probably why you didn't see it. But but I've also, I've seen this from from lots of people, Uh including other past players. Um, Jake's not baby girl. Like that's not baby girl. I understand the inclination, but I feel like this reminds me of like misdescribing mother to people. Uh-huh. Um, where it's like, you know, mother, when you see a mother, I think Jake's sweet nature, like baby girl wouldn't be close with Nana. Yes, I agree. Well, I barely even know what Baby Girl is, and I know that we had this conversation on the podcast before, but if I had to look at the final five and say who was baby most Baby Girl of the final five, I think I would have said Austin. I concur. I concur. And because why? What is the characteristic? I think I just always... So I, I to put it in succession terms, a show I do not watch, but like, <laughs> Brian Cox is Baby Girl... Kieran Kieran Cal- or Kieran Culkin is not baby girl, right. but I understand that a lot of people will look at a Kieran Culkin and say that's baby girl. Mm. I'm here to say no. Kieran Culkin's not baby girl. Brian Cox is baby girl. And again, we've had this conversation. It's not something one can define. I am just saying from my perspective, Jake is not baby girl. If I were to zoom out toward the season as a whole and think about baby girl. I don't think this. I don't. I don't think every season has a baby girl. Well, I don't think they have to. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's like I'm not getting yeah. baby girl. It's you not, know who's baby girl? Who? Ethan. Right. <laughs> okay. Ethan's baby girl. <laughs> yeah. Coming up on on fire next season, baby girl. Ethan's on. Yeah, but I also just because we're saying Ethan and Austin back to back, baby girls don't have to be attractive men. That's not okay. Even though, yeah. I mean, I like a hot baby girl, but um, uh-huh. anyway. So that's that's my top level thought. Jake is not baby girl. Okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Jake had some great moments in this finale. Again, rewinding the tape where, of course, it's like this formula where they're going to a new beach and then they are doing a little challenge on the beach to get an advantage in the next immunity challenge, which, by the way, this challenge I did... Like, if we're going to be doing a challenge, I much prefer this than to, like, uh, a word scramble, which mm-hmm. they have done in the past, which is, like, not fun to watch on TV. But this is reviving a challenge that we just spoke about on our Patreon when we did our Survivor Panama rewatch. And it is the challenge where uh, Terry misunderstands the rules about, like, having to go out and recount. Um, and, and he starts whining to Jeff. And then Aris says, someone call the ambulance. Terry's crying on the course. So the return of a classic challenge, in my opinion. Yeah, I did think that like when they t- this is the one with where they chop the, the with the knife, right? No, no, no. What do you mean? 
No, this was the challenge point- on the beach where they have to like run out to different stations and count. I'm talking before the immunity challenge. Okay, so they have to go and count like okay. the crabs okay. and count the duh. Mm-hmm, uh, and then they mm-hmm. put it the code into the thing. And Jake, but the, the reason I bring this up is because Jake had this great moment where talk about Survivor super fans a lot on the show, but Jake really put it into action here by correlating his nu- uh, numbers to Survivor winners. And mm-hmm. uh, great memeable moment here, just FYI, where I think Julie There's said, what were the numbers? <laughs> Julie said, what were the numbers? And he went, JT, Gabler, and Denise. With no context. Fabulous. I liked that from Jake. Yeah. Also just fun to get Denise recognition on Survivor in 2023. Yeah. I mean, is it worth getting Gabler back on the TV? I don't know, but it was nice to see her. And JT. You don't see JT. Actually, this is our second time seeing JT this season, so. No, I feel like JT's gotten a lot of attention. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This season. I take it back. Maybe too much. <laughs> Although I do always, re- I have a soft spot in my heart for JT because I just, re- it's like, you, you, it's easy to remember JT through his context of his last two gameplays, but mm-hmm. it's like JT was an icon of his time. No, but that, the thing about JT is like, I like that he sucked after. Me I like that it's like, but he became oh, you unlikable. can win Survivor, but like not be good at Survivor. Yeah. That's What's, okay. Did he, he came back for Game Changers? He came back for, Yeah. Okay. Wasn't he back? Was he back on winner? Was he on winner? No, but that was a huge mistake. But he was back for oh right, of course, heroes versus villains. I was like, there was two more times. No, heroes yeah. versus villains. But game where he gave his last. idol to Russell. It got idol so by yeah. Parvati. Yeah. God, the idea of game changers is so iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm thinking in this moment, I'm like, oh my God, JT and Tony played in a season together with Sari. It's like, whoa. And then you're like, an Aussie? It's like, oh my God. And it's like, oh, never mind. Um, Also, while we're on the subject, Sari, shout out during this episode. Very lovely. When? Oh God, don't quiz me. I don't, (laughs) I just don't remember. (laughs) This is the problem with the finales. Honestly, I say this every every season but like i i'm not a big fan of survivor finales there's too much going on there's too much to keep track of and podcasting about it like my notes are unreal but i can tell you there's no story in my notes doesn't mean it didn't happen but it's like i miss moments like julie sipping the water from the canteen if it happened we'll put it in the meme cap okay if it didn't then i'm wrong have you seen the shots from sari on whatever yeah like general hospital or whatever she's on yeah yeah, I'm just, I mean, obviously very happy for her. I'm like, can't we get Are her on, feeling? like, yeah, like, let's elevate. Yeah. What? Okay, Put wait, sorry. Not to, let's see it real quick. Yeah. You have it your way. What do uh-huh. you want for Suri Field in 2024? Like, what's Suri's next move in terms of her public life? Well, I feel like, and we talked about this, I think, on the after show last week, that it seems like... Bravo or Peacock are setting her up to join a reality show of some kind, whether that's a Housewives or something else they have cooking. I don't really want that for her. I feel like I I wouldn't mind her to elevate from that contestant cast member space to more of the like presenter host space. And try her hand at that. I don't know how good she would be because I think she's better when she's reacting to something mm-hmm. as opposed to like leading something. But 
I feel like she has put in her time in the trenches and she could maybe stand above and like take the reins on something. But that's like a new reality show, like, I don't know, like a, you know, like host the mole or something like that. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea of like her as host. Yeah. Hmm. I think we would see a different side of her shine through. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think a hundred days in the big brother house, is like a little oversaturation for three for me. Speaking of Jake, I know we're jumping all over the place here, but we have to talk about that next immunity challenge, that final immunity challenge where Jake broke the challenge. Yeah. Is that okay that I'm jumping there? Yeah. Can I talk about something else within that before we get to yeah. breaking it? So I just wanted to get your thoughts on this because we've never really touched on this subject. I think it's a really interesting one. So let's talk about... The, the cheating by copying someone who's advanced in the challenge, which is something we've seen throughout the years. And in this instance, it's Jake looking at Austin's puzzle or looking at the structure to sort of help him. And I'm just wondering, we've never oh, talked back about at this. The, back at the final five immunity where Jake um, has the advantage. Yeah, let's go back there. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm no, 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 it's okay. We're jumping But, but I bring this up more in like a holistic point, which is like, what are your thoughts around the fact that like the show has never really addressed the fact that like, yes, you can like, and we've had this happen very explicitly in some instances, especially with like words, word puzzles and word scrambles and what mm-hmm. have you, that the show doesn't mandate or make any effort to make it so that you can't, that is cheating, right? Like you're looking at someone uh, else's, well, that's, I guess the question. So I know, put it to yeah. you. What do you make of that instance when someone is literally copying someone else's work? I think it's frustrating and annoying, but if that's the, like, a Survivor thinks about these things. There mm-hmm. are certain challenges in the past where they have made it impossible to look over, right? Or mm-hmm. you cover up your words with a thing, um, like a burlap sack or whatever it is, like some, it's a screen. And there have been challenges. Yes, they're like few and far between, but sometimes they decide that's appropriate for the challenge. I do think that given this, it makes for a, a sort of like interesting dilemma if you're in that challenge because it's like, one, do I want to, I, I want to pull ahead, but it means that some of my hard work in figuring out how to do that could help others sort of quickly catch up to me but right. what other choice do i have wouldn't it be better to be ahead than behind um so there's that and then there's do you as the person behind decide to quote unquote cheat and have everybody know that that's how you pulled out your win and does that make your win less legitimate are people going to have hard feelings about that i feel like in a game as complex socially and strategically as survivor people kind of like don't wouldn't really care so much about that. But if they already had a negative feeling about you, it could enhance or like add to the arsenal against you. But I don't know that it makes a whole lot of a difference. You could also argue though, that it adds to people's like credibility, like credit to your name in a sense, because it's sort of like, you know, it's outwit, outlast, outplay. Mm -hmm, It's like, mm -hmm. that's outwitting Mm -hmm. in and maybe outplaying even. So like, I do feel like you could sort of, yes, to your point, it could, be a demerit but it could also be something that you kind of say like listen i'm bad at puzzles what i am good at is like under stressful situations figuring my way out which in this instance is looking to someone else that had done it and copying like that's yeah you know there's a genius to that and jake might be like look I- i'm good at puzzles but i'm bad at remembering key pieces to the challenge like mm-hmm. my keys or my puzzle piece mm-hmm. how like it's so, just uh, narratively it's it's so like 
I don't know, like, the rewarding is not the word, but it's like, it's so appropriate for Jake to have this huge, ad- uh, and Jeff is talking about how the advantage is like a reasonable advantage. I don't think this is, a, I still don't think this is a reasonable advantage. I think at this, at such a critical moment, I don't think there should be a leg up in the challenge. I just really don't think, yeah. I think it should be an even playing field. Uh, Jake having two of his baskets already landed out of three, two of his numbers first code. That is a huge advantage. You saw how long Julie and Dee were trying to land those baskets and Jake was able to run through, but you know, because it's Jake, uh, he's able to like breeze through that first part, but forgets mm-hmm. the key, climbs all the way up to the top of the tower, forgets his key. And then not only does he forget his key, but he also forgets, a key puzzle piece uh, in 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 his puzzle building. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are like, the moment where Jeff calls him out yeah. and everything, the, uh, not so interested in all of that. I, like, yes, it was uncharacteristic of Jeff for sure, but like... I don't think it's even uncharacteristic of Jeff. I'm may, perhaps, is it more fair to say it's like more uncharacteristic of new era Jeff? Because mm. it's a little yeah. petty. yeah. It's going back to, you know, Survivor China where uh, Jamie was trying to throw the challenge and like threw one of the pieces off his, off the board and then they couldn't finish the challenge and Jeff went over. He goes, and by the way, you might want this and picked the piece up. Oof. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, so you originally brought this up to discuss the other, the final. F- oh, yes. I wanted to talk. Yeah. The, the final four Which immunity challenge. So oh, that was the one the where they had to. The witch? Where they had to chop something. No, the chopping... Uh, no, there, there was no chopping in that one. When was the chopping? They chopped in that final five immunity chop. Okay, well, I just want to say, was like sorry, a little bit of a one like, point yeah. on that. Okay, let's go. It took everyone one chop. And so I'm just saying it's uh-huh. like, if you're going to have like an element, it's like there's got to be some degree of difficulty. So that was just very like uh, a chop for like chop sake rather yeah. than like a chop to actually like you know, change up the, the speed of the game. I don't know. That it was, was a chop so they could get the shot of all the coconuts and sandbags. Falling. Right, but it's like I That's needed like a couple, yeah. like you had to like work at it. I'm reminded of like the iconic, uh, is it, I'm trying to think what's, oh, from Panama with the fish. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. When they had to chop I thought off you were the going somewhere heads. else. I thought you were going somewhere else. Where I was, was going to say, well, they could, they could do this because there has been, and they've done this on several seasons, but you know, very famously for us in Survivor China, where they have to, it's similar, you have to chop through a rope, but the rope is under a piece of wood. And so Mm -hmm. you had that uh, challenge where Courtney can't make a dent in the wood and she's chopping and chopping and chopping and chopping. And her whole tribe and James is getting so frustrated with her. Uh, That's a bit of a challenge because you have to actually, you know, like ax your way through the wood in order to get to uh, the rope, which requires a little bit more strength. So if if we're giving Jeff notes, there's put a little wood over the okay yeah the okay rope. so now bring us to the yeah let's go to the final four <laughs> immunity challenge which is one, the one where they're stacking the bowls on the wobbly perch uh-huh. that they have to walk step through and I, this is not uh, typical of their final four uh, immunity challenge as of late they have been bringing back more so. Uh, uh, some of those iconic challenges like summation, uh, which has shown up a couple times, I think. And, but I didn't mind seeing it here. I felt like for a boring challenge, they kind of like 
elevated it in the editing and we got those little flourishes of ancient voices in there, which I thought was effective. Uh, And then you had Jake just lose it. And I thought this was so great how he just, you know, he had such a great stack going. He was kind of like neck and neck with D and then he loses it all and can't even like bring all his bowls back in one armful. So he just starts stomping on the challenge like a child and Jeff being like, don't do that. If you break it, you're out. And then lo and behold, he breaks it. And I just felt like I haven't seen Jeff lose his temper in a long time. And I feel like you disrespect the art department. You disrespect Jeff. Yeah, but then like as soon it like dissipated so quickly. Yeah, I needed did. Jeff to hold on to that uh-huh. because when Jake, because Jake really felt bad about it, which I thought was so sweet, sweet but not baby girl. Um, but I would, but then Jeff was just like, oh yeah, all good. And it's like, no, 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 Jeff, like stay angry. Like, yeah, no, but yeah, Jeff, I tell, tell Jake he's not going back to the beach until he fixes that. I would love that. <laughs> um, yeah, or just be like, you're going to have to pay for this. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, take your auction money and like redirect. Um, no, but I thought this was like super entertaining, something we've not seen done before on the show. And, and rarely, you know, there's so many instances where like, this has never happened before. And then it's like, no, 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 it happened in season 12. You know, and this is like, no, this has never happened before. Super interesting. And just just makes Jake so, you know, I'm saying nothing that we don't all, not all, many of us agree on, but like Jake is just such compelling television because we, I think many of us can relate to that idea of like your emotions get the best of you and you do something super stupid and then you regret immediately afterwards. Like, yes, it is very childish to break something, but I also can empathize with the frustration of knowing in that moment, not only did you knock it down, but there's no coming back, like, you know, and this challenge does suck for those people like D. as D pointed out afterwards, she thanked Austin for taking her out of her misery. Austin won that one, right? Uh, no, D won it. Who? Oh, then I'm thinking. This of is the one where D decides the final three. Okay, no, never mind. I can't. It's too much. It's too much. I don't know. There's a moment where D says, "Thank you for taking me out of my misery," which must have been the other challenge. Yeah, maybe. What was yeah. the other challenge? So the other challenge was the one with the puzzle piece that Jake forgot. Got it. And then Austin won that, and he brought Jake on this reward to eat steak and have wine. And okay, Jake okay. Like, so my point is moot. But I understand Jake's frustration in just being like, once you're out, you yeah. have to continue, but you have no shot. Yeah. So you have to do this like extremely meticulous and like delicate and frustrating task all over again, knowing that it's not going to have any reward. Uh, Yeah. I would argue like if I were, if I had fallen like Katura did or whatever, I would have just been like, I would stop trying. Uh, I wouldn't stop trying. I know. You never know when he's going to like, not to sound like Jeff Prost, but you never know when someone's going to make a mistake and it's all back at square one. I mean, we know because there's like a runtime and music cues and things like that. But, you know, in the moment, we've seen these things like we've seen these things go on for a long time Mm -hmm. uh, in the past. So it's totally possible. Uh, But I felt like, you know, in the same way that we got foreshadowing with Robin Amber uh, and then Dee's win over Austin, I feel like there's a little piece of foreshadowing in here specifically for us because the way that Jake stomped through that challenge was giving... Jake walking down the beach in flippers. Mm. He was March of the Penguinsing through oh that God. challenge. We'll need a, that's going in the meme cap. <laughs> there were so many memeable moments in this episode. And I do think there's like some correlation between the more memes that 
not just Survivor, but like the more memes that can be derived from a show, the better the quality for me, mm. like as a viewer. I'm not saying like mm. the, but like there is a corollary. Yeah. Well, and just so many great little moments. Like so often, the thing I don't love about finales is like it's so strategy heavy in the way that they're like, okay, now like here's here's what we're going to do at five and then here's what we're going to do at four and here's why this makes sense for me. But there were so many interpersonal moments and especially, and I know I'm bringing it up again, but uh, coming back from that Julie vote out and the the blow up that Katora and Jake have over swearing over Nana. Like I just felt like that is, and it's not even like necessarily memeable. I mean, it is funny that Jake says like, you made me swear on Nana, what the hell? But it's just like it feels so real. It feels, it feels like old school Survivor. Like mm-hmm. there's there's some there's stakes on the line here, and it's like my morality and my relationships outside this game and the way people view me, etc. So we go into the fire making. D chooses to bring Austin. I mean, obviously, it sounds stupid to ask, is was this the right move for D? But I feel like I feel like there could have been something here where. D does sort of like quietly take out Austin at the fire making. Not that I'm saying that she would put herself in, but maybe there was some scenario in which Austin goes home and then that sort of like easy or that that person who played the same game as her who could take votes away from her. And, you know, he did in some ways. I mean, he got more votes than I thought he would get. Uh that seems like her biggest threat at Final Tribal. So, but then I think she loses Austin's vote in the jury. Um, potentially. But he wanted to go into fire. So you're saying in that scenario, he'd win. I'm saying in that scenario, he wants to he wants to go to fire. And in Dee's mind, she says, okay, how can I put him into fire? Right. But also get him taken out by the fire. That's what I'm, Okay, yeah. So that's what I'm yeah. saying. If he goes out in the fire, he would potentially not vote for her. No, I think he'd vote for her. Especially given that he was, like, asking her to go in. Mm Mm-hmm. But asking her to go in with the assumption that he... I know. So, but yes, I understand what you're saying. It's like, she could spin it in a way that was like, I was just doing what you asked. It was Um, more than... But, uh, yeah, his scenario was, I want to go in against Katora because I know I can take her out. Mm -hmm. Having seen Katora try to make the fire, yeah, he probably would have taken her out. But, like, let's say D was like, what if I took Katora to the final three and put Austin and Jake and, like, went up against Jake and... Uh, Katura, who don't have the strategy story to tell mm-hmm. that I have. I don't have much to say about the fire making. I'm not anti fire making. I'm not pro fire making. It's one of those conversations I'm like not invested in in the survivor verse. Um, but I will just say it continues to <laughs> Since confound <when>? me. <laughs> what do you mean? I feel like we talk about this all the time. We hate fire making. I I don't like the fire making, but I'm not like I'm saying like it's not something I feel like I need to like argue about. That you need to campaign that they Yeah, like, I don't like it, but, like, if it's on the show, of the many things that I don't like in the show, this does not ping for me. Hmm. I'm sort of like, it's also given us a bunch of great moments. It's not, like, always a dud. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I will mention, and I said before, is, like, it just confounds me that it's, like, Katura knows that she's in the final, I mean, at we like days ago, could kind of game out this scenario and doesn't use all of her time on that island to perfect making a fire. I mean, fire making is a skill that is like very learnable and one that you perfect by just doing it over and over again. And so it's just, I'll never understand why someone doesn't come on this show to begin with, let alone spend time on the island perfecting fire making. Like it's weird. 
Yeah, I think most people probably do do it before going on the show, but it's very different because you have very specific materials on the show. And I've heard contestants talk about this. And it used to be that, you know, back at camp, you'd have the machete and the flint that you get, etc. And then you get to the fire making and it's like a little knife and a different flint. Like it, it is different materials. And so mm-hmm. there's like a learning curve of how to use those. And then as of a few seasons ago, they started to give them the same kit that they would get at Tribal to practice in that day. Um, and that's why you see Jake and Katora practicing like with a knife and flint uh, in in the episode. Uh, but I I do think there's something like if you were you have to sort of put yourself in the position of be, being the fire maker because if you're just practicing fire, then if you become that threat or that potential person to put into fire making, uh, then they're just going to be like, well, we'll get rid of that person before the fire making. You know, like I do think you have to be a little sneaky about it because I don't think you want to be out there being like, look, at I'm such an expert fire maker because then they're just going to target you in a different way. Totally. You want to be a stealth fire maker. Yeah, totally. I don't think you can just be like down there burning, burning the jungle down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> Couture goes home. Uh, very sad because I, I really, you had really, you had really had me convinced last week that Couture was going to be the winner. Thank you. And it was a very consistent winter edit with the ones we have seen, especially of women um, in the new era. So they they turned it on its head this season. Yeah, and, and just to to put a button on Katura, the moment with Julie, the yeah. hug, the go to law school. I, I This is the second time I've been about to say iconography, and I just want to reserve that word. So no, but I loved yeah. that moment. It was incredible. Love just that like moment. what a and it's funny because there's a read on it if you don't know the full context that's very condescending, um, but mm. you come to learn <laughs> that like she meant it in the sweetest way. Oh no, she meant it in the nicest way, and the, just like and the, the, I didn't even like think about at the moment until it was like the after show that they, Julie also hadn't told anybody she was a lawyer, and so for her to say that to Couture, it's like. It's like, oh, that's nice of you, but like, (laughs) what's your expertise on this? Can we get into the fact that like, it still makes no sense why people withhold this information? Sure, but (laughs) I do think Katura made a valuable insight that I hadn't considered, which was it was less about like the withholding of information for strategy and more that she wanted to go into a circumstance Mm -hmm. in which she wasn't defined by the thing that she does. And she was like, who am I if I'm not the lawyer? And as someone who's had like similar conversations in therapy about like who am I without like the my, without my career, it's like I I really think that that like made me reconsider the idea of like coming in and withholding information. But we've just never seen that explicitly stated. It's always like I'm not going to tell them a lawyer because I don't want them to think it's an advantage. And she's like, no no no, I don't want to tell them a lawyer because I don't want I just want to come in here clean slate. I'm just I'm just Katura. That's what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And we had such great. Like such great reaction shots. Was that a, from you Kendra. were making a yeah, Ryan Gosling reference? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks for catching it. <laughs> we had catch. such great shots. You know, you know, like I get a little annoyed about the shots to the jury, but um, and like Kelly specifically, but there were such great shots of Kendra during that, which was just like it was like in that moment, Katora's reaching peak Katora and having this emotional moment, and meanwhile, Kendra's reaching peak Drew Barrymore. Yeah, she on is the like... couch with Oprah, like crying. She's she's just like so proud of Katora out of nowhere. If you were to be like, "What is an empath?" I would like literally yes. just be like, 
That yes. is Kendra. Like yes. it is. Yeah, it's remarkable. I do. F- I <laughs> wish we'd gotten more of Kendra throughout the season yeah. because I do feel like she was like overly edited to be like kooky and I actually think there's like more substance to Kendra that wasn't given time and maybe there wasn't I mean I'm not saying it's like a fault of the edit but like of all the players that like we didn't get to know that I think there was more there I think Kendra for certain and sorry just while it's on my mind I have to say Drew what he said in his I don't know monologue whatever you want to call it about the idea of like I forget the exact phrasing I'll meme it but like the quirky person ends up adding value. What do you know? What I'm talking. Do you know the quote? Uh, yeah, but I don't remember the details. That is like one of the first times I've heard someone like crystallize the thought like that in a way that I found like it. Like it. I that was like a light bulb for me. I was like, wow. that is such a great articulation and a great argument towards not like about in defense of the unpopular kid or whatever i was like it's just like yeah you need people like drew um not just on a show like survivor but in life because like if everyone is just the status quo yeah anyway i i I really like that moment i thought it was really powerful i think this was a great episode for drew and i think i have i have a greater understanding of drew after watching this episode and also like the fact that i didn't really understand because so much of Drew's edit was gameplay related and not like him as human being, I felt like he was like humanized a bit in this episode. Hmm. It's a shame he wasn't in the game during his best episode. I guess he was as a jury member, but okay, let's get to the final tribal because uh, wow, we're going long here, but there's a lot to say. Uh, but uh, just before we we're get to going the final long, tribal, the show went long. It, it went real long. It went real long because usually it's a two hour finale with a one hour reunion. And like, I'm all for cutting back the time on we're spending on this after show because nothing decent comes out of it. Um, but they really pushed it this year where they were like, okay, yeah, we'll scale back the after show, but it means you're getting an extra half hour of finale. Like the longest survivor finale ever, I think. Uh, if we talk about like f- actual gameplay. Um, so yeah, it, it went long, but before we get to the final tribal, I just want to uh, point out the breakfast that they got delivered by a boat. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if they were fresh herbs or what, or just like a tasteful floral arrangement, but they're handing them all this food. I don't know if you caught this. They're handing like basketfuls of food. And then, and then they hand D like a basket full of like flower, like wildflowers. I thought that was an interesting touch. Didn't catch that. And it was massive. It was massive. There were so many. I was like, why Why is this? Unless, literally, unless it's like basil and thyme. I don't know why we're doing this. Uh, and then we sort of have this like mixing. I saw Gabby Piscuzzi uh, talk about this on Twitter. This like merging of the, uh, you know, discussing the strategy of the jury with the interspersing of the jury's thoughts on the final three, which which has been happening since I think 42, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it was a little bit in 41. Um, but I feel like this was the most full version they've done where as Gabby put it, it's like really in some ways bringing back that piece of rites of passage where they would like go and collect the torches of all their fallen comrades. Um, he, I think the difference is that in the, 
in the fallen comrades walk you would get those people reflecting on their time in the show Mm -hmm. uh whereas here they're reflecting on the final three but i didn't mind hearing from uh all of the jury here on on specifically on the final three anyways let's go to final tribal uh anything stand out for you in terms of in terms of the final tribal performances because i'm kind of surprised to hear you say that you thought jake I don't, like, I don't want to say he didn't do a good job, but I was kind of surprised that that was uh, a take that you had. Wait, what's my take? That you thought that Jake did a good job at Final Tribal, like that he could have gotten some votes out of that. I think, I guess, I just think on a human level, I thought Jake was like, made a good case for the fact that like, he's a good person mm. and that he played with his heart. And I don't think he made like a great argument in terms of like, his gameplay, but I don't think there was a great argument to be made. So I guess I would say I think like Jake did the best with what he had and Mm. certainly didn't like bomb tribal. And I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd gotten votes from people that were just like, I like Jake, Jake's a good guy. Dean and Austin played similar games. Yeah, I wouldn't have been cuckoo crazy. And why was Caleb like so inflating Jake and then going to the voting booth and yelling Jay when Caleb didn't vote for Jake. <laughs> like, I thought that was almost Oh, was mean. the J Jake? I'd assume. I thought it was J Maya. I'm for kidding. For what reason? But no, I'm, but I'm just like, <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Like, it's I, like, how I are was... you going to go into the voting, voting booth, yell J, and then not vote for Jake? Like, mm-hmm. that's so sad. Yeah. I thought I thought we, were, we would be getting a Jake vote come out of that urn. Yeah. And I'm sure that Jake thought the same thing. I would say my... my Take about Final Tribal is less the final three and more about the jury. Um, I just feel like this, like, the camaraderie, um, like, present is just not my cup of tea. I'm glad that this cast all gets along. I can sense that they're going to be friends for life. That's wonderful. I don't think that's what this show needs to be about. Um, And so it was just a little bit kumbaya for my liking, like, and... On top of that, it's like you have Kendra and and then Bruce uh, ha- having it's like the, everyone was so moved by everyone at every moment and so like I'm gonna build on like this last person's question and like mm-hmm. that's a great insight and 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 it just was like where is the hostility? I'm not looking for who's the Gabon woman, the evil woman. Yeah, Corinne. I'm not looking for Corinne. I'm not necessarily looking for Reed. That's not what I'm talking about. But I just feel like overall it was a little bit like. Yeah, I just, I want them to go at each other's throats. Also, stand up when you're talking. Go in front of them. You can't, I, I'm, I'm sick of this sitting I in know, the jury box. I know, me too. I know. I, f- yeah. But I, I will agree. say, I really did like, who kicked things off? It Kendra. was Kendra. I really liked her question. I sort of just like the... Really? I'm surprised. Yeah. Because I feel like that's the kind of question Jeff would ask at Tribal that we would hate. I agree, but I think Kendra's enthusiasm, like the way in which Kendra mm. asked it felt so genuine. Authentic, um, yeah. And then I just, was it Julie that asked about the relationship? Uh, yes. Fabulous. No, uh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to say, like, the star for me here was Emily, because it was Emily who was interjecting and talking specifics where like there was a lot of like, oh, well, what did you think about that? What, what was your, you know, what fear did you overcome? How'd you feel about your journey? What's the relationship all about? Where Emily was like, now with this vote, with the, with, with my vote out, here was the plan. Why'd you do that? And then, and then it was her that it was her questions that were really spurred on this 
toe-to-toe that Austin and Dee were going to, where it was like, well, this was my move. Actually, no, this was my move. And here's what you didn't know. And here's what you didn't know. And then that allows for Dee to drop the 11th hour truth bomb of, uh, no, I knew all along. And it was me who told Julie uh, and to play her idol and get Emily out. And I never told you that, Austin. And I'm sorry, but like, I feel like that, if anybody's was on the fence, if some if somebody's vote changed, it was in that moment and potentially that one D the game. In a similar way, like it did feel like that Marianne moment of pulling out the idol and being like, here's something you don't know. I think that's going to be like a key strategy moving forward is like, what can I hold on to for a splashy moment at tr- Final Tribal? But I like the fact that the way D delivered it like wasn't splashy. Yeah, yeah. She was just sort of... And, like- I, and there was like a human element where it was like, there is one way to do it. And I think... Credit to Dee, because like sometimes I think when women come into the final tribal and talk like about how like, quote unquote, ruthless their game is like that can work against them. And you actually had Julie mention this earlier in the episode before she was voted out where she was like, I can't go against Dee because I can't sit. I'm supposed to be the mother and I can't sit at final tribal and say, like, I backstabbed the person I was mother to. Um, like I thought that showed a lot of like awareness of the way survivor has worked, especially for quote unquote, older women, uh, in the past, like you kind of like have to play by the rules. Otherwise people see you as a villain or unworthy or untrustworthy or something. Uh, so I thought the D the way D delivered this, which was like, Hey, I'm sorry. This doesn't change the way I feel about you. I hope it doesn't change the way you feel about me, but I had to do this. Um, and speaking of Emily, I got a, like, I have to shout it like I thought this I thought it was an iconic moment when she voted for D and said, if you spend one penny of this million dollars on that boy, I will personally fly to Miami and take it from you. Yeah, that was great. It was great. Financial analyst and advisor, Emily Flippin. It was like, why did this Emily come back in the finale? I'm not with you back on this, but she was in but the I game. but I hear you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anything else to discuss here? Can I just, there's some things we didn't get to, but I just, can I just go down real quick and just hit Yeah, absolutely. Them? So one. Well, wait, 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 wait. Should we play Star or Starless? Sure. Do you want to do it? Okay, here we go. First up, <laughs> Julie. Star. Starless. Katura. <gasps> Star. Star. Jake. Star. Star. Austin. Starless. Starless. D. Star. Star. Okay, so top level, <laughs> get rid of the sanctuary. I'm sick of the sanctuary. Yeah, I'm done with the sanctuary. I just don't want to hear about it. I don't want to go there. I think Where it's good super, things happen. It's so unexciting. Um, Jeff wearing Survivor merch. This was something I had never seen before. I'm not saying it's never happened. There's a shot of the back of Jeff's head, and the hat uh-huh. he is wearing says Survivor on the back. Okay, he's... Always, Always worn the Survivor hat. Okay. I mean, are you okay. surprised that this is coming from me? Okay. Jake and the I'm not that fat 15-year-old narrative. I know. Um, I know. Again, I do feel like, not to get like super some type of way about it, but I do feel like this idea that is placed throughout our society, not just on shows like Survivor, that fatness is bad. That fatness is something that one needs to overcome in order mm-hmm. to succeed in life is super troubling. And that might be Jake's truth. I'm not taking that mm-hmm. away from him, but I feel like this is just a narrative that has hit home for us over and over again in our culture, both scripted and unscripted, and I just find it really troubling. It's one thing for Jake to bring it up, but it is it is brought up 
virtually every season on Survivor. Yes, and this is the second time it's been brought up this season alone because Austin too yeah. had a similar narrative. And so I just think it's like, and again, like if it's their truth, it's their truth. I'm not saying don't have your truth, but I, I do think it just needs to be pointed out that we constantly are fed this narrative in our culture that it's like, I was fat and then I got thin and then life got good. Okay. I think it's it's on Survivor to, if, if that's the truth, like Cut it. you need to decide whether to tell that or not. Cut it. Yes. Um, the set change into the after show is camp. Um, just like the, <laughs> it kind of feels like what I imagine the high school, if like the kids on Glee were to like perform a set change or something mm -hmm. at that actual high school, like that's what it would give to me. It's just like, it's like them making such an effort to like create chaos. And so you mm -hmm. have that like light, they have a light that's just sort of like yeah. zooming around and then like, them like rushing in with the pizza. It's just a lot. And then um, Jeff's characterization of Emily picking a fight with Bruce. I just don't think it was like a fight. Like I think Emily mm -hmm. was just calling something out. I think it was very direct. I think it was very blunt. Mm -hmm. I don't think she was picking a fight. I wanted Emily to say was. the pizza looked absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, and I'm shocked they don't have a pizza sponsor. Well, at this point, it's like just build an oven. Bill like, you've been in Fiji forever. They just renewed their contract with Fiji. Like, And then the last thing I want to ask, do you think Austin and Dee hooked up on the island? No. Okay. I just think it's notable in that, like, I don't know. It's just like, do you think they kissed? Probably. But, like, why didn't they show it? Maybe they did it outside of the camera. Okay. That is a question I have for Dee and Austin. Okay. And... The last thing I would just say is that the reunion, in addition to being unnecessary, I felt like the the cast was like, and this is something we've seen several times in the new era, really trying to make television in a mm -hmm. way that I found very off-putting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and namely a couple of specific contestants, but I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. poison the well. Starts with starts with K and doesn't end with Endra. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, that's not who I'm referring to. Oh. Okay. Look, I barely paid attention to the after show, as I always do. All right. Look, speaking of after shows, we have to go to our after show now uh, over on Patreon. If you're not a patron subscriber, we, of course, did our weekly after show with every recap of Survivor 45, but there's so much more going on over on the Patreon, uh, and that will not stop just because Survivor 45 is done. In fact, The Traders US is premiering very soon, January 12th, I believe, and we are going to be recapping The Traders US exclusively on Patreon. We'll probably put out the first episode as a little teaser or something like that. Um, Eh, well, Evan's Maybe. saying no, but you know, we'll, we'll talk about it offline. <laughs> uh, but if you want our recaps on the entire season of The Traders Season 2, you're going to have to go over to the Patreon, uh, and you can find the link to our Patreon in the show notes to this episode. Do we want to mention Mailbag? Yes, great. Thank you. Uh, okay, so... Last season, Survivor 44, we did a post-mortem because we felt there was so much to talk about and unpack with the Tika 3, etc. We want to do that again with Survivor 45. We want to take a beat, 
take about the season, take in, you know, some of the post uh, post show interviews and things like that and talk about the season a little more holistically. And we want to do that as a mailbag. So for our Survivor 45 post mortem, which we will be recording probably some point next week, uh, we want to hear from you. So send us your questions about Survivor 45, Survivor, whatever you like. Uh, and we will answer those next week on our Survivor 45 postmortem. I will also put up a reminder post or two on Instagram to get your voice mails in. Uh, best way to send those in is through Instagram DM voice memos. Uh, keep it under a minute, please. Begging you. Uh, makes my life so much easier. Okay. <laughs> With that, and you can go over to our Instagram uh, at dropyourbuffspod, and we will have our final meme cap which you will comment which emoji under pizza sure yeah i like that pizza okay and you can go follow us on twitter as well at drop buffs pod if you enjoyed our coverage of survivor 45 please consider leaving a rating and review on apple i think you can leave a rating on spotify as well um got some bad ratings <laughs> bad reviews rolling in uh lately i don't know if you've looked at them um what but, is uh, it about me yeah what <laughs> Wait, can i can i read the latest one to you it's um it's a one star honestly at this point i don't really care but he's losing it is the title <laughs> evan is now attacking fans on the drop your buffs insta not a good look that's it it's, it's not it's not wrong yeah okay <laughs> all right but hey if you if you feel like you want to leave us uh, a nice little review a little holiday gift uh you can do that over on apple so with that thank you so much for listening and we'll see you very soon for our postmortem. bye bye bye